Good morning. Good morning, Christians. Good morning, people who will be Christians. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome him into the sanctuary. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Jesus, whether it's uh, sunshiny, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing and icy outside, whatever, it's the day that you made, and we will rejoice in it and be glad. Hallelujah. Blessed be his holy name. Can you be saved if you don't believe in it? Can you? Can you be healed if you don't have faith? Can you be delivered of situations or circumstances if you don't believe? Now, this is a, a methinks thing. I don't think you can, personally. That's just myself. I don't think you can. I think there has to be something within you that says yes and amen in order to receive. That is uh, what I believe. And there's probably a lot of you out there that believe similarly. And so, if you don't have that yes and amen within you, you need to ask for it. And guess what? He'll give it to you. He gave it to all of us here at our wonderful church. Uh, he gave it to a lot of you out there. Uh, but if you don't have that yes and amen within you, today could be the day that you receive it if you ask. And so let's go ahead and let's pray. I know, I know this is a, a, a short little devotional here. Sometimes mine are longer, but you know, uh, this is what it's all about. This is uh, the core of it all. That yes and that amen, isn't it? Jesus, we thank you for you. We thank you that we have a loving father that we can go to and we can take all of our hurts to we can run into his wonderful arms. You'll welcome us no matter what. And we thank you for that. And we praise you for it. Lord, there are those, Jesus, that know you, that are listening under the sound of my voice. But there are those that don't know you. And Jesus, for the ones that don't know you, we pray, Lord, uh, that you would show them your heart. Show them your spirit. Show them your love, Jesus, in such a way that would minister personally to each and every single person out there that doesn't know you so that it would be as hard as it could be for them to not say yes and amen to you. We pray, Jesus, uh, for your love to, to hover over each one of us we pray, Jesus, for inclusion of all people, Lord, your people everywhere, that they would come to know you and that you would help those of us that know you to continue to walk in you, growing day by day, growing deeper, that we would be everything that you've called us to be. Get us, Lord to your calling for us, Heavenly Father. Get us to the jobs that you want us to have. Get us to where you want us to live. Get us to all that you have for each and every one of us because the day is coming when we're going to be standing before you 
and it always matters, but on that day, it's really going to matter. So, Lord, we praise you and we thank you and we honor your holy and beloved name. In Jesus' name, amen. Test one, two. My fault. Thank you, guys. Uh, she's exactly right. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it's what? Does it say likely, unlikely, might be, maybe, kind of, sort of, on a good day? <laughs> no, he says impossible. So you're exactly right, honey. You're right on target. Um, sometimes it doesn't take a lot of words to make a point. I thought she made a really good point here that we are totally dependent upon uh, our decisions to walk with God. And if we don't choose to, we can continue on the same path we are, getting the same results. If you don't like the results you're getting, check with God about it. Check in with Him. Get a, you know, you go to a doctor once a year for a physical, check in with God every once in a while and find out, where are we staying, God? I know uh, just yesterday I was out on a run, and I decided I was going to listened to a particular message. It was wonderful. And the rest of my time I spent in praying for various people, uh, praising God, trying to make my time valuable. Now, if you're like me, sometimes when I go out and run, I like to listen to some old classic music. Sometimes I just feel like I need to just relax. Sometimes it's just really intense. Three maybe three or four sermons in one run, just really taking in the information. There's other times when I want to relax, but at the same time, I want to keep it balanced because the things of the world don't offer me anything. You get a temporary joy, a temporary lift from something, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in the final analysis, we don't walk away with much of anything in the world. It's our time with Him. It's our time in the Word. These are the things that build us up in our spirit man. And, and I, I saw something, this is really off the track, but I'm going to go ahead and share this real quick. I was telling my wife about this. I was doing something in my prayer time that I was never taught. I was just doing it. And I heard this message, and this minister was talking about the very thing that I was doing, but I've never heard anybody preach on it. And that is, when, did you know you can't sing Mary Had a Little Lamb and pray at the same time? You can't. They com conflict. But you can, if you have a prayer language, you can speak in your prayer language and pray at the same time. Did you know that? And I was doing that and didn't learn that from anybody, just was doing it. Because I asked for God for wisdom a lot and was encouraged to find out that someone else had been teaching on that very thing. You can pray in your prayer language and pray for other people at the same time. You might be in your prayer language, all of a sudden someone comes to your mind. See, God's speaking to you. He's not only talking through you and praying through you, He's speaking to you. And 
Now, I encourage this as well before I go into my lesson. If you do have a prayer language, you need to spend a lot more time in it. A few minutes a day is not what it's about. It's almost like you're going through a ritual. I'll pray my prayer language. I'll say a prayer. Amen. No, you should spend time in it, 30 minutes, an hour. You should spend time in your prayer language. You will find that God can do more with you and through you because what he's doing is he's praying the prayer you need to pray. He's praying and interceding for us in prayer to the Father and through our prayer language. And don't take that lightly. You need it, really need it. So please spend a lot more time doing that. Just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, my wife, I'm John Sandy. My wife, Cynthia. This is the Paulson Gasway. So glad to have you with us this morning. If you do not mind, sometime during the program to hit like and share, even subscribe, leave comments. We'd love to know what city, town, city, country you may be listening from. Because as John will tell us from time to time, we reach people from a lot of different countries through our live, through our live teaching. And we're so glad to have you with us. And if you're on delay, I always say you're right on time. God's timing is what matters. And sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes you have to catch things on the delay. I do it all the time. But it's just as fresh. Isn't that amazing? You can listen to a sermon and it's just as fresh as one they preached maybe 30 years ago. Why is that? Because the, the Word is life. The Word is eternal. The Word is ever-present and will always fit your situation. You can go to God with any situation you're going through, and He has something for you out of the Word. Now, there's not, there's certain words that aren't mentioned in the Bible. We know that God has made it very clear in the Word that, that He does not like homosexuality. It's very clear in the Bible. Does it use the word homosexual? No, that's a contemporary term. But if you read it, you'll find answers to anything you have in God's Word. Is the word rapture in the Bible? No. But the word rapture means caught up. Jesus was caught up when he left the earth. And the day is coming when he's going to come back and we're going to be caught up together with him. We, the, that's a contemporary term also, rapture. It's not, you're not going to find it in the Bible, but you'll find caught up in the Bible if you study it. <clears throat> now, we're talking about shaking. There's coming of shaking is the title of our topic. And we are on part 10, moving right along, getting close, getting close to the end of it. Last week, we finished with talking about Peter's experience with a woman that had a spirit that could predict, uh, could, could fortune tellers, what they called them back then, and she was making money for people. But we also talked about how we fall into situations through our shaking that puts us in a place that we don't want to be. And we're talking about different kinds of shaking so we can prepare ourselves for, for it. And I want you to pay attention just a little bit to some questions that Jesus asks is in the next reading. And also, I want you to pay a little more attention to the crowds Jesus was around. Now, I've not heard much talk on this, if at all, but I have learned in my studies that crowds had an influence on things. You notice that? Paul says, just follow the, you're just, you're just the person that follows the crowds. What does that mean? You follow whatever's popular. You go with the flow. You blow with the wind. There's not much stability in your life other than what you hear from other people. And it's all right to repeat, repeat things that other people say that are wonderful and, and gracious and uplifting and revelation. But you can't, 
teach it unless you have that revelation. I can give you a word from God, and you'll say that's right, and I'll say that's right, and we'll all agree on that. But if I begin teaching it, I better have a revelation on what I'm teaching. See, that's the problem. We are teaching without the anointing. We are doing things without the anointing. Do you know that everything that God is in flows the anointing? And that should be something we should be seeking at as Christians. Not only am I doing the right thing, but is God anointing it? Is God in it? That's what we should be trying to find out is not only what God wants to do, but how He wants to do it, when He wants to do it, because His timing is just as important as God's Word. The one we're going to get into next is in the book of Mark, chapter 9. The book of Mark, chapter 9. Now, we're going to see in here <clears throat> references to crowds, and we're going to see here references to questions Jesus asked, and we're going to break that down just a little bit. Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, <clears throat> had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was transformed. Now, keep that in mind. Jesus was transformed and became dazzling white. See, Jesus came in the flesh so that we could hug him. Jesus came in the flesh so we could touch him and he could touch us. But don't forget, he was a spiritual man. He had, when he came, what you and I ask for at salvation. He had a spirit man. He did only the will of his Father. Do you? So he came down from the Mount of Transfigurations. He appeared before them with who? Elijah and Moses. Now, this is a type of shaking. This is what we're talking about, right? We're talking about shakings. Now, why was, it, why was Elijah and Moses picked? Well, there, there are some common thoughts and there are some traditions in this. <clears throat> Moses represented the law. Elijah represented prophets. And when Jesus met with him, what does God say? I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. Let me go on before I go too far into that. There appeared before them Elijah and Moses. And then I expect the shaking right before the three disciples are here. The shaking was profound. We'll tell you why. Here all heard the voice of God say. What did they hear God say? This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Now this is significant. God does not show up on the scene without making a statement. Jesus does not show up on the scene without making a statement from his father. So here on his behalf, here Jesus is transformed in the likeness of Moses and Elijah, they shone bright. We know a little bit about the story. But what do we know about what God said? This is my son. Number one, he said, I sent my only begotten son to die on a cross that you may have eternal life. This was significant, that he, that he recognized him as his son. Whom I love. Whom he loves back. Jesus loved him back. And they loved each other, and God loves you. Did you know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Do you know how awesome you are? Do you know how wonderful you are? 
Now, what you do with that will be up to you and me. But God loves you as much as he loves him. Then he said, listen to him. This was very significant because Jesus, before a prophet and a lawmaker, Moses, Jesus was standing there revealing to the world that he was there as the new law and the new prophet. Jesus was the new. He was there, and that's why God said, listen to him. Because he was now the, those were his forerunners. Now here comes Jesus. He's the second Adam, right? He came, and he became the, the, the new prophet and the new lawmaker through his father, representing his dad. So this ties the three together and why they met together, why those two were chosen. Now Mark 9, verses 14 through 29 the NIV. This is where we're going to break it down a little bit more. Mark 9, 14 through 29. Now, I'm reading from the NIV. When they came to the other disciples, now this is Jesus with the, the, the three disciples, right, from the Mount Transfigurations, okay? Now, they're together. They're coming up to the other disciples. And when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd. Now, keep in mind, <coughs> God's, Jesus' response to crowds. Keep this in mind. They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, underline the word teachers of the law. They were a thorn in Jesus' side. They were, if I could, if I could put it in a parallel, when he wore the crown of thorns, they were mocking him as a false king. See, the leaders the leaders, the teachers of the law, did not recognize him. Now, I just mentioned that Moses represented the law. Jesus was the new law. Hallelujah. Amen. He's the new law. That should really encourage all of us. But they didn't recognize him. So the thorn of crowns on his head very easily could have represented how the, the teachers of the law saw him. And he, they were a thorn in his side. And he knew them, and he called them out later. So they were there in the crowd. Now, remember I mentioned the crowd. The people saw Jesus. They were overwhelmed when they wondered and ran to greet him. Okay, so there's a crowd. Then there's a crowd that follows him. There's crowds that did not follow him. But there were crowds that did, and those crowds, both of them, influenced how Jesus responded to situations. Now, when you read the Word and you see crowds in it, you might make note of that and follow and see what happens because of the crowds, because they did have an influence. So, here they were. They were overwhelmed. They saw Jesus and ran to him. Now, Jesus asked the first question, what are you arguing with them about? They're all arguing with the teachers of the law. Why? He asked, a man of the crowd answered. A man answered, teacher, I brought to you, I brought to you my son who was possessed by a spirit that was robbed of his speech. Now, he was also a deaf, mute spirit. He lost both. Whenever it seized him, it threw him on the ground and foamed at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becoming rigid. Folks, this is a description of what Satan wants to do to you. 
He's not your friend. He's not, he doesn't have your best interests at heart. We are to flee from his very appearance. What he did to this young man, and we'll find a little bit more what he did to him, is an example, and I hope you hear this, this is an example of the Satan that we are up against. What that boy went through is what Satan wants to do to you. John 10.10, he come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Do you, hear, you see anything positive in there? I don't see anything positive in there. The devil has nothing for you but to destroy you and spit you out for the final judgment. That's it. Don't ever get any idea that the devil is on your side about anything. He is not for you. He wants to use you, and he wants to destroy you. God came to you may have life and what? Life more abundantly. That's like having your favorite dessert with ice cream too. Like Paul will bring over a wonderful apple pie when we eat together, and I love it. We, Paul and I both love the same thing. We want to heat it, a little bit of ice cream. So that's like he wants he's for more abundantly. More abundantly is what God has for you. So I threw him on the ground, he gnashed his teeth. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. He breaks clearly. They could not. You unbelieving generation, said Jesus, as Jesus replied. Then he asked another question. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, why were the disciples not able to heal him? Now, the disciples asked Jesus, if you remember in another scripture, Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus, why were we not able to heal him? That tells me they believed they could. I personally think that they were up against a different demon. I think they were up against a stronger demon. And the manifestations that we just showed you in the Word of what happened to that boy was overwhelmed their faith. I think it overwhelmed their faith. And so they did not have the faith. Fear took over. See, fear is the opposite of faith. You don't need a lot of faith. You just need no fear. You need to believe with a pure faith. Not a great deal of faith, just a pure faith without fear. So the disciples lost faith. They couldn't heal him. So he takes him to Jesus. Now this man believed they could heal him, this father. That's why he asked. Well, look what he says to Jesus. Bring the boy to me, Jesus said. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, now this is so good. Folks, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the disciples again, how long? As he, this is another question. I'm going to get back to the questions here, but I want you to note the question. He said, how long has he been like this? From his childhood, he answered. Now, this tells us something about our children in our public schools and why Satan so much wants to get to our children as young as he can because they're vulnerable. And don't think a child cannot be influenced by a demon. Just because they're children and they're innocent, it doesn't mean they're automatically covered from demonic influence. There's a possession and there's oppression. And we're seeing our children act out 
Just the other day, a little boy, small boy, murdered his twin brother. Folks, something's been released on our nation, and it's called a demonic spirit. It's not good. All good things come from him, God. All good things. If you see something that's not good, do not give God credit where credit is not due. Well, it must be in God's will for him to go. No. God did not line up a drunk driver to kill your child. Don't give God credit where it's not due. Put it where it belongs. All good things come from Jesus. Even our tragedies, he turns things around. All good things come from Jesus, period. All bad things of the devil, period. Very clean cut. So he started talking about his son again. He said, how long has he been like this since his childhood? He answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Steal, kill, destroy. But if you could do anything. Now see, here's the change. The father once believed that because his disciples couldn't do it, his faith began to wane. And he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, he's desperate. He loves his son. He sees what he's gone through for many years. He's desperate. And so Jesus' response when he says, if you can, Jesus says, quote, if you can, he's mocking, he's, he's parroting what he said. You, generally you would say, if I can't, right? No, he said, if you can't, see what he's doing? He's making a point, and we're going to get into that on his questions, on why he asked so many questions. He has five questions in this little series here. So, he said, it has thrown him into the fire and tried to kill him. And, he's, and again, he says, take pity on us and help us if you can. See, if we're not careful, when we pray for someone's healing, if we're not careful, we will beg God to do something. He's saying to Jesus, if you can, if you would have pity and help us. See, sometimes we give a really terrible story about something we need to pray about because we're trying to convince the pastor to have compassion. Oh, we tell us awful, oh, it's been awful, and it has been awful. But we're trying to convince the pastor, please care about this. So when you go to God, if you're not careful, you're asking him, please care enough. Please, God, care enough. So he's saying, please have pity. Please, please help us if you can. He said, if you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for who believes. That is awesome. I'm telling you right now, folks, when Jesus says everything, when he says all, when he says anything, he means exactly what he's saying. He's saying right here, everything is possible for those who believe without fear, without unbelief. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, he, now you, we all know this little expression, right? What does the father say? I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Now, we all know that, right? We all have that one memorized. In translation, here's what he's saying. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. He's desperate. He's sincere. 
He's being honest. I believe, because it doesn't give us a lot of information about this boy being healed, I believe that Jesus had compassion on his desire and his wanting to have faith. I want to believe. I'm trying. Jesus, I'm really trying. Help me. Help me to believe more. I believe Jesus responded to his sincere desire to believe. See, sometimes we ask God for things we're not sincere about. We'll say, God, would you do this? Would you do that? God, I claim this. I claim that. But do we really sincerely believe? Do we really sincerely want to grow? Do you want to grow? Those listening out, do you want to grow? I mean, really, I'm asking a very sincere question. Do you want to grow? Are you the same place? You know why this church isn't growing anymore? Because this church does not want to grow. I'm telling you straight out. If their church wanted to grow and you felt like you had something people need, you'd be getting people in here all the time. My daughter and her fiancé come some. My sister comes. Paul comes. We're all almost an hour and a half away. We need to want to grow. We need want to, to want to do God's will. All of us need to want that, me included. I'm right there with you. This was a shaking for the Father. This was his personal shaking. His honest response to Jesus was key to his son's healing. Isn't that interesting? His son's healing. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, here again we get back to the crowd. When he saw that they were running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. Now, here's my thoughts on this. The crowd was there arguing with the teachers of the law and the disciples. Jesus came on the scene. They got excited and came to him. But let me read that again. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, now there were already some there, but now others are coming. Why? Everyone loves to see an adventure. Everyone loves to run to a fire. Everyone loves to run to a conflict. We're drawn by it. So now he has people coming that are not there because they care. They just want to see. It's like a circus show. They just want to see what's in this three-ring circus. Got to remember, they were, they were arguing earlier, but the ones that knew who Jesus was, they ran to him excited. This crowd came to him, and what did Jesus do before they could get there? He rebuked the impure spirit. Folks, a crowd can influence how God works. What's one, one example of a crowd? A church. A church can come in, if we do not come in, prayed up, walking with him, being led all that week, the best we know, you know, with all the things we had to get done, God works with us. If we come in with the wrong spirit, if we come in this church, we can quench a lot of what God wants to accomplish in a service. We have a great responsibility to come to church ready for battle, ready to defeat the devil because we've been fighting him all week. Nothing new to us. So we come in, and we're ready for battle. We're ready to be used of God. We've been denying ourselves all week. We come in. Now we are part of the solution. We are part of that first crowd. 
Now this second crowd that had different motives, I believe, Jesus, before they could get there, he said, I rebuke the impure spirit. Why he had faith with him. See, the crowds can, you'll see, if you watch this, you'll see how the crowds influence how Jesus worked. Now you think, well, he's Jesus. He can come in any crowd and do whatever he wants. He can, but what he's looking for is faith. What he's looking for, people, is faith. That's why he'd go into one town and no one was healed. No faith. Did he desire to heal them? Did he go there for that reason? Yes. But because of the types of crowds, he was things affected what he would do. So he healed the boy. He said, you deaf and mute. Remember I told you there was two spirits, deaf and mute on the boy. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Now, do you realize the authority you have? See, we have the same spirit that raised him from the dead in us. He said, as I am, so are you in this world. Do you realize that what he just did is what we're called to do? We're called to take authority. But do we follow through and do like Jesus did? He said, and never enter him again. Do you do things for God but leave the door open for things to come back on you? You can't seek God, get help from him, and go right back to where you were. You've got to be different. You can't ask God to do something and him answer your prayer and work things out, or maybe you're still trusting for the manifestation, and go back over here where you came from, that crowd you ran around with, and hold on to what God's done for you. You can't do that. So he commanded him to come out. The spirit shrinked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like he was a corpse that they said, well, he must be dead. But Jesus simply took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Can you imagine the experience of his father right there? After all these years of convulsing, and, and again, did you see how the, the demons treated him? As if he was dead. And he may have been dead. It's in there for a reason. But if, if we're not careful, we will give the devil a little bit of room in our life. Oh, what's a little bit of this going to hurt? What's a little bit of that going to hurt? But you're toying with someone, a spirit that wants to literally destroy you. That is their only goal. They will use you, waste you, and throw you out. Have you ever seen someone that's bur burned their candle on both ends? You ever seen someone that's in their 30s that look like they're in their 70s? Have you ever seen pictures before and after with methan, uh, a meth lab? People before and after taking meth? Teeth gone, hair a mess, the face is just aged. And, oh, just over that drug. So in the first 29 verses of this chapter I just read to you, Jesus poses five questions. When Jesus asks a question, it's always a moment of shaking. Jesus asks questions for the sole purpose of getting our attention to draw us to what he's about to do. Let me say that again. When Jesus asks a question, his goal is to get you to where he's about to do something, and he's letting you know. Now, do I believe Jesus knows everything? Me thinks, 
that Jesus does not. Me, Jesus thinks, Jesus, we think Jesus has the, the, the access to God and anything he needs to do, and he has faith in his Father, and yes, he believes as he lays hands, they're going to be healed. Yes, I believe all the yes. Absolutely. But sometimes Jesus has to walk like us, or how could he say he was tempted like us? See, we, we need to realize that Jesus allowed himself to be in a place where he had to live like us to show us you can do this. We say, well, of course Jesus did. He was the Son of God. Well, if that's the way you look at it, then you learn nothing from his experiences. But because he came to earth in flesh, he had to be susceptible to things of the flesh. He said, thy will be done, not mine. Well, that's a profound statement. He said, this cup could be taken from me, let it be, but if not, thy will be done instead of mine. Jesus had a natural inkling to preserve the flesh, just like us, to not suffer, to not harm. But he constantly denied this flesh, did what he wanted his father wanted him to do, and he took up his cross. And likewise, we're to do the same. So, these questions he asked were the purpose of preparing us. Jesus' questions, I wrote this down. Um, Jesus' questions and actions are what he was, was telling us about what he was about ready to do. So when you look, go back and read that again. If you read the questions, he's getting the people's attention. He wants them to see what's about ready to happen. What just happened or what did you see is maybe what he might be asking you when he asks these questions. Good or bad, a shaking is always changing the atmosphere. Because it always leaves each of us with a choice. As long as God gives you a choice, you have hope. As long as God gives you a choice, you have hope. And we need to make a decision. Each one of us has to make a decision. Unless the shaking is the result of judgment, which we're going to get ready to talk about soon, then the result of judging is final. When that final judgment comes, it's going to be final. There's not going to be choices to be made, right? Like a twinkling of an eye. There's not going to be choices made. We need to be ready for that final shaking. As I've mentioned, the way we get ready for that final shaking is we obey Him now during these shakings. Whether it's a shaking that you cause, repent, dust your shoes off, and move on. If it's a shaking someone else has done in your life that affects you, then you have the opportunity through Jesus to be a strength for that person in their shaking. You do not have to get involved in their shaking and get down in the mud with them. Sometimes people will pull you down. I mean, they can just, man, it's one bad thing after another, gloom, despair, agony on me. You know the old song? Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. I mean, we, you meet people like that, haven't you? And if you're not careful, man, they can pull you down the mud right with them. But you and I have to stand strong for people in shakings. And then there are shakings that take place because the devil is trying to find out uh, what, what your resolve is. Show me what you're made of, the devil would say. And he'll put things in your path. And you think, why is this happening to her? She is so good. She obeys God. See, what you're saying when you do that is, 
That shouldn't happen to her. She's earned that. No, 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 no. No, in fact, sometimes the closer you walk with God, the more you attract the dark side because you're a threat. Do you feel like you're a threat to the devil? Do you feel like you obey God in such a way that the devil knows who you are? He knew who Paul was. He knew who Jesus was. I believe he knows who different people are. One great man of God said, my goal in life is when I get up in the morning, the devil knows I'm awake. That was his goal. <laughs> it says so much in the wonderful. So, we, the shaking changes the atmosphere. And we determine many times what that atmosphere is going to be. Do you praise him in the dark times? Do you worship him when, there's, when you're sick and when things are falling apart and you don't know where the answer is coming from? Are you worshiping him? What are you doing with the shakings? How are you responding to the shakings? And I'm learning more and more that when I go through situations, I got to get in the Word. I got to get into praise and worship. And I may not feel a single thing. I may feel awful. I may have battles attacking me and fear trying to get on me. I have nothing in the flesh to tickle me to praise Him. But I just press and press and press and praise Him. Because if I know one thing, I know that he's in my praise, if nothing else. And that's all we need to know, is that he's in that. So we have choices to make. Unless the shaking is the result of judgment, as I mentioned, and we're going to talk about that. In the course of each of our lives, there are seasons. Within each season, there will be shakings from time to time. So be encouraged. If you're in the middle of a shaking right now, it is a season. And it will be gone. It will be over. There's a coming and end to that. And when we get to heaven, that'll be a final season that we'll live in forever. I have people say things like, well, why would I want to serve a God that if you don't worship Him, you go to hell? See, you don't know my God. You have no idea what kind of, you know nothing about my God. Because my God is saying to you, the devil wants to destroy you and burn forever. I've got paradise forever. What would you, what would you like? No, you'd be saying, thank you, Jesus, for a way out. You wouldn't be blaming him because you had a choice. You'd be thanking him that you had a choice. You need to know you have a choice. What are you doing with that choice? Are you choosing him? Are you growing See, if you choose him, you can't help but grow. And it's time for us to grow as individuals. Because I'm telling you right now, um, if people won't hear you, God will take you to people that will. You know why? Because there are people waiting for you and I to be faithful. There are people waiting for us to have a word for them, to cross their path, to say something they need, to give them a revelation. God is, there are people waiting right now by the millions for someone to obey God so God can get you to them. So if people don't come to you, if they don't want to listen to you, don't worry. God will take you to people that are waiting right now for you to be faithful. Is it about you? No, but it's for you. 
This isn't about us, guys. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about doing God's will and not your own. This is all about him. But what's so wonderful is he chooses to include you and says, I have the best for those that leave the choice to me. Are you willing to let go? Are you willing to let go of the world and let me show you? See, a lot of people don't believe because they've never given God time enough to show them. Let me say that one more time. We'll close. There are people out there that don't know God's faithfulness because they've never given God enough of their time, enough of their sacrifice for him to show him what he has for you. I believe that. Father, we bless you. We praise you, Father. You are awesome. And I'm so thankful for these wonderful people that we get to share with this morning. And I trust all of us, myself included, that we will take a step forward this week, that we will go deeper with you, that we'll deny the flesh more today, that we will praise you, that we'll praise you more than we ever have, that we'll hunger for the Word, that we'll turn aside things that not only are not necessarily bad, but just benefit us nothing, that we get nothing from it. May we spend more time with you. May we spend more time in the prayer time we have at 8 o'clock every evening with the church. May more and more people join us. May more and more people be a part of that because they want to see revival, change, and awakening in our church, in our midst, in our homes, our children, our communities, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us, Father, to choose you. Help us to grow. Help us to start choosing to grow. Help us, Lord, to be all you want us to be, that we may bless you, Father. Oh, to be a blessing to you. Help us to be that, Father. And may we be a blessing to everybody. May we bless our enemies. May we bless everybody we know everywhere we go with the presence of you in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Again, please hit like and share. Let people know that what we're doing, and if something encouraged you, May it encourage someone else through you sharing it. So next week, part 11, as we get ready to wrap up on there's coming a shaking, we thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you.